Good morning. Sorry, good morning. I just wasn't sure. Maybe you guys aren't happy that I'm back. I'm happy to be back, but uh, I am glad to be back. My family's glad to be back, and uh, we appreciate the prayers for safe travels. I was a good trip to Yuma. It reminded us why we love Colorado so much. It was like 72 degrees down there. I didn't bring any short pants. It was hot. I think, I think my parents' air conditioner kicked on like two or three times during the night. It was awful. But um, yeah, anyways, it's good to be back. I, I'd like to tell you I wandered through the desert, literally. Uh, my shoes are dirty. And uh, I found, while I was down there, the book of Malachi. How many of you guys remember the book of Malachi? A few of us have read it. It's there in the Old Testament. It's still in our Bible. And I've been looking at the book of Malachi, and I wanted to share a series out of that with you guys called Fresh Faith. My hope and my intention is that we'll kick off the beginning of this year, 2020, renewing our faith and having a fresh look at what it is that we're trying to do as Christians, what it means to be a disciple of Christ. For the last couple of years, we've studied what that means to be a disciple, and we've studied what that means to have the Holy Spirit working through us. And, and this year, I really want us to focus on how we take that gifting, and now, through this fresh lens, we use that through faith for God. Like, like Kind of like um, Jay was saying, you know, it's kind of like our challenge downstairs. What is it that we're going to do for God this year? And so it's the same, along the same idea. What are we going to do now that we know what it means to be a disciple, and now that we know we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, how do we take that and have this fresh faith and, and move forward? Um, I wanted to make a quick announcement. Also, I um, forgot to get this in, but if you see your bulletin, the men's breakfast is coming up on the 18th, and so we want to encourage everybody to come out and be a part of that, uh, men and boys that want to come part, be a part of that men's breakfast on Saturday the 18th. Um, we don't know if it's going to snow or not, and Tammy and them don't like to drive in the snow, and I don't blame them, so I'm going to cook breakfast. So it'll be a little different breakfast, um, but uh, tri-tip. No, it won't be tri-tip for breakfast. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it will be good. I promise it'll be good. So uh, show up for that. But as, as I was saying with Malachi, um, the book of Malachi is an interesting book. Uh, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of dispute over what exactly is going on in the book of Malachi and exactly where it comes from and who writes it and is, is it supposed to be part of Zechariah? Is it not part of Zechariah? And, and those kinds of things. And we're not really going to go into that. I mean, it's there. Know it, that it's there. But uh, we're really going to look at what's going on in the book of Malachi and what's happening with the people. So in, in the first chapter of Malachi, the people have returned from exile from the land of Babylon. Okay? However, the conditions are not favorable. They're not what they want. They're not really good at all. And, and only a small portion of the nation has returned. A lot of them looked at it and said, we're not going back to that. It's not a good idea. And, and those that are there are, are languishing around, and, and they're in poverty, and there's famine, and there's just continuing threats from neighboring countries to invade them. And they just have this overall sense of insecurity, and they're just not as high and powerful as they used to be. And they're kind of let down. In the midst of all their frustration, they've, they've begun to question God's goodness. They began to question his love. 
and his ability to keep his promise towards them. So if you will open up your Bibles to Malachi chapter 1, we're going to read the first five verses. Malachi chapter 1. Starting in verse 1, it says, The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country, and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. See that. The Israelites are in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot of unmet expectations. God has provided for them what they need, and he's given them an opportunity, but they don't feel that's enough. See, they had an expectation that that God was going to return them back to this promised land, this land of milk and honey, and everything was going to be great, and they were going to become kings again like David's reign. But that's not what's happened. They wanted God to restore them back to that sense of affluence and wealth that they had. But He doesn't. God does provide them the freedom to ask for this. But He doesn't restore them back to their previous level of riches and opulence. They have this unmet expectation. We were traveling to Yuma and we went and visited two churches in Yuma that we had attended before. Those churches, when we left there 10 years ago, the one was about 225, 230 members in the winter. It's now 72 members there the Sunday we were there, and we had our family of five with us. The other church, I got to talking to the preacher who's been there ever since Sandra was a girl, a little girl, she's still a girl, ever since she was a little girl, before we were married, and he's still there, and they were a church of about three to 400 this time of year, and they're a church of about 55 now, this time of year. In the summer, it's about 15. Churches of Christ around America are struggling. That's the reality of the situation. There's no sugarcoating that. They're struggling to keep members in the church, and they're struggling to attract new members. And in some ways, I wonder if in our minds we get caught up in the same thing. How many of you remember the days where the churches of Christ were great? How many of you remember the conferences and the talks and the the tent meetings and the things like that where hundreds and thousands of people would come, and by the end of the week, Jimmy Allen would have sang every verse just as I am 12 times and baptized at least 70 people, right? But those days seem to have passed us. And sometimes we, I think like the Israelites, when I was reading through this, I felt like them. When do we get restored? 
When do we get back to those? And the tragedy of unmet expectations is in our lives, it causes us to question God's intentions. It causes us to question God's promise towards us. We, we begin to think, does God still care? Is God still listening? Is this still part of his plan? Is he still capable of accomplishing what he promised to do? Why is he taking so long? I think these are the normal human reactions to an extreme circumstance. These seasons, though, that we have to go through this unpleasantness of trying and milling about and trying to rebuild things and restore things and bring about change in our own lives, those are the times where God offers us the most grace. He offers us the most mercy because he knows it's what helps build our faith. Far from a reason to abandon faith, these are the times where we can rebuild and rejuvenate our faith. We don't have to hold tight to some old way. We need to look forward to the future. We need to be a people that's united, a people that comes together. And we look at the things that God has given us, blessing and otherwise, for the better. Corey and Betsy Tenboom were two such people. They were compassionate Dutch Christians who helped harbor Jews from the Nazis in Holland during World War II. Well, eventually the sisters were arrested and they were thrown into a concentration camp. They were imprisoned in Ravensbrück in Germany. In their barracks when they were thrown in, there was a series of massive square platforms that looked similar to what's on the screen. And these massive square platforms is where people would sleep. And they were thrown in there and they, had these, they were stacked up on levels and levels and levels with very, very little room between. And these two young sisters were thrown in there and it reeked. The smell in there reeked of rotting, mildewing stuff. There was straw on those bunks, but it was rotten and it was nasty. And you huddled together for warmth, several people into each bed, hundreds of women stashed into one building. Corey and Betsy found that they could not sit upright on their own platform without hitting their heads on the deck above. And they lay back and they struggle against nausea that swept over them from the smell. Suddenly, Corey started up, striking her head on the crossbar above her. She'd yelped. Something had bitten her. She told her sister, something has bitten me. It's fleas, Betsy. It's fleas. The place is swarming with fleas. How can this get any worse, she asked Betsy. Here and here and here. Here's another one. Here's another one. Corey repeatedly pointed out each and every flea that she came across. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? She looked over at her sister, and her sister was saying, show us. Show us how. And she realized that her sister was praying. She said, you're praying? What about the fleas, Betsy, the fleas? 
They're swarming. And her sister just kept praying. Show us. Show us. Show us, Lord, how we can live here. How we will make it through. Show us. Corey, Betsy, then exclaimed excitedly, he's already given us the answer. Before we asked, he's already answered our prayers, she told her sister. Corey looked at Betsy and said, you're crazy. What are you talking about? He already answered our prayer about this. She said, this morning, when we read our Bible this morning, do you remember what we read? Corey said, sure I remember. Betsy said, pull it out. Let's read it again. So Corey dug into her apron where she had sewn a little pocket and she had hidden a small version of the Bible. And she pulled it out and she began reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Finding the passage in the feeble light, she read, Here it is. Comfort the frightened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all, rejoicing always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstance. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Bessie interrupted. That's it, she answered. That's his answer to us. To give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can go, we can straight out right now start thanking God for every single thing that he's given us in this barracks. Well, you can imagine Corey's response. She was a little incredulous. She looked around the dark, foul-smelling room and asked her sister, be thankful for what? Such as what are we going to be thankful for? Betsy said, such as being here together. We didn't get separated. Corey bit her lip and said, okay, Lord, thank you for keeping us together. Betsy said, such as what you're holding in your hand. Okay, Betsy, thank you, Lord, that we were able to keep a copy of the Bible with us. And we were able to get it through the inspection. And thank you for all the women here in this room that might benefit from the reading of those pages. Betsy said, yes, Corey, that's it. Thank you for everything. Thank him for the crowding and the crowdedness of the space. Betsy went on. Since, since we're packed in here so tight, some are bound to hear the words that we read. She looked at her sister. What else, Corey? What else can we be thankful for? And Corey said, all right. Thank you for the jammed, cramped, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowd that we get to live in. Betsy said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the fleas. Corey said, no way. We're thanking him for the fleas. Betsy said, we thank him for everything. She goes, absolutely not. Some of these things are blessings, Betsy. I understand that. But the fleas are not a blessing. They are a parasite. They're a disgusting parasite, and they're biting all of us. Betsy said, no. We thank him in all circumstances. 
good and bad. We thank him for everything. For Corey, that was just too much. But as the weeks went on and the sisters lived in this, this hostile environment, working in the camps, Betsy became very ill. And the sick ones were put back into the building where they slept, and they were forced to make socks. They would knit socks, and pretty soon Betsy was known as the Martha of all knitters. She would knit several socks a day, meeting her quota of sock knitting by lunch. After lunch, she would share scriptures from their Bible with her friends in the room. This went on and on for weeks. And then one evening, when Corey arrived back from the fields where she was working at the barracks, Betsy's eyes were twinkling. And there was a shine and a joy in her heart. Corey said, you're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself. What's going on? Betsy looked at her and she said, you know, we've never understood why in this room we've had so much freedom. Why we were able to read scripture and to share this word inside this room. And and why the guards never messed with us while we were in this room. She goes, I found out today why. This afternoon, there was confusion in my knitting group about sock sizes. So we asked the supervisor to come in and settle exactly which sizes of socks we were supposed to knit. She got to the door, and she would not enter the room. She wouldn't step through the door at all. The guards with her wouldn't step through the door either. Betsy insisted that they step through the door so they could see the socks and understand the problem and help her sort it out. The supervisor exclaimed, I'm not stepping in there. And she said, why not? And she said, because of the fleas. The place is crawling with fleas. She looked at her sister and said, we were right to thank God for the fleas. Sometimes in our lives, We don't always understand what's going on. And we don't understand why we have to live with fleas. Metaphorically and literally. But sometimes we have to live with fleas. And when we feel like God has abandoned us, like the people in Malachi, where the Jews felt like their expectations just had not been met, and God had left them, there was something else going on just like these two women in the concentration camp. And the only fitting response for us as followers of Christ to have during that time is love. Love is the appropriate response that we could have for God. God's people are called to love Him through offering ourselves for being faithful and trusting in our Lord. We may not see the bigger picture, but He has a plan. He has a plan, and he's moving. Indeed, the only reason God's people can voice their complaint is because he has graciously preserved them to do just that. God's love is not fickle, and his arm is still strong. He has not lost strength. His intentions is to completely restore his people and to give freedom to those who are entrapped by sin. God has always loved his followers, 
And he's never wavered on that. And God still loves his followers today, just like he loved his followers in Malachi's time. And most importantly, God will love his followers forever. God loves us despite who we make ourselves out to be. He, he loves us despite our dissatisfaction with unmet expectations. Just because the world doesn't turn out the way we think it should doesn't really matter. God loves us anyways. And God loves us always. And our response to him should be one of love. When we feel like we've been forgotten, when we feel like God has somehow left us and, and ignored our pleas and our cries, our job is to sit down and thank Him for the fleas. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we study this new series with You through Malachi, and we start this new year, this new month, this new week, and this new day here, put it on our hearts to feel fresh, Lord, feel rejuvenated and have a fresh faith. One that looks to you for the answers even when we're surrounded by fleas. Even when things aren't going our way. Even when we have unmet expectations of what we thought 2020 might look like. Lord, let us be humbled. Let us remember you still love us and that's what matters. Put it in our hearts to give back to give back through service to those around us that love that you've given us. To find those that aren't here today that maybe just need to be loved and bring them into your fold so that they too might know who Jesus is. That they too might be able to serve you and bring about a little more love in a broken world who desperately needs it. Put it on our hearts this week, Lord, to look for one opportunity one instance where we can just sit and listen and share with someone and just love on them so that they will know that you are here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you can, please stand for our final.